0: You know, it seems like good news is hard to find in a bad news world, isn't it? Uh, The latest COVID-19 hotspot, we shudder at. The latest business that is closed, we wonder about. All across our world, we face bad news. Another trillion to our national debt. So we live in a time across social media, cable news, everything we read seems to be bad news. But I wanted to ask you a question this morning. Is there good news for us to find? We may not find it in our current context, but we can find it in Holy Scripture. What is the good news that Holy Scripture gives us for this moment of our time? When Jesus burst on the scene, he proclaimed good news. But what was that good news? Now, it's important for us to grasp that Jesus said, I have come and my kingdom has come with me. But have all of us, have you, have I, grasped the full meaning and implication of Jesus' good news for our lives? It's stunning to me that in Matthew's gospel, Mark's gospel, and Luke's gospel, there is a resonance of Jesus' good news message. Let me share that with you. In Matthew's gospel, right away, we hear Jesus' words, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then in Mark's gospel, in the very first chapter, we hear Jesus' words, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And in Luke's gospel, Jesus declares again, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to other towns as well, for I was sent for this purpose. So let me ask us, let me ask you this morning, what was the good news Jesus proclaimed? What was the gospel Jesus proclaimed? And I want us to understand that the gospel or the good news Jesus proclaimed was not just about humans getting to heaven, but about heaven coming to earth. It is about God's kingdom reign and rule transforming every dimension of human existence in our world. It's no wonder then that Jesus, when he taught us to pray and taught his disciples to pray, he prayed a very earthy prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In his classic work, I commend to you, The Divine Conspiracy. The late Christian philosopher Dallas Willard speaks to the importance of us rightly grasping Jesus' good news message. Listen carefully to his brilliant words. I'm going to read them slow because they are so important. The damage done to our practical faith in Christ and his government at hand, or his kingdom reign, by confusing heaven with a place that is distant, or outer space, or even beyond space, is incalculable. Dallas writes, of course God is there too, but instead of heaven and God also being always present with us, as Jesus shows them to be, we invariably take them to be located far away, and most likely at a much later time. Not here, not now. Let's let those words sink in for a moment. Do we grasp the goodness of the good news? The good news heralded by the New Testament gospel writers was about Messiah King Jesus arriving on earth in order to set the entire world right again. That is, to redeem a rebellious, broken, and lost people, but also to restore a groaning, fallen creation. It's important for us to grasp that the New Testament writers saw Jesus of Nazareth through the Old Testament lens and storyline, way back from God's covenantal promise to Abraham, that all the world would be blessed, every nation would be blessed through the covenant to David and his promise that God declared a Messiah would come and anointed one, a king, and David is told this king His throne, his kingdom, will be established forever. The prophet Isaiah, again, gives us more texture as God's redemptive story unfolds in Holy Scripture and describes this messianic king as a suffering servant, who by his atoning sacrifice would make a way for sinful humanity to be forgiven, to be reconciled with God, and to be the recipients of an extravagant grace. Now, as a church family, we are examining the Gospel of Luke, focusing our attention this year on Luke's Gospel. And Luke specifically declares to the world, Jesus, this King of Kings, has come. He has now come in human history. And Luke presents Jesus, if you've read his Gospels, uh, as firmly embedded in human history. And he showcases King Jesus as evidenced by amazing power all through his gospel, power over demons, nature, illness, and even death. But also Luke highlights Jesus' unmatched brilliance as a teacher. And we're gonna see that today unveiled before our eyes. In our series on the parables, we are reminded afresh that Jesus used the simplest things to communicate the profoundest and life-changing truths. Jesus is gonna say to us a tiny mustard seed tells us a great deal about the good news. Now, I don't have a mustard seed, but I went outside and uh, I found these group of seeds. They're rarely small from a tree, but they help remind us that Jesus picked up a tiny seed and unpacks for us profound truths. Jesus tells us a mustard seed tells us much, and the question for all of us is what does a mustard seed tell us? Now, if you have a Bible near you, turn with me to Luke's gospel. It goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter 13, verses 18 and 19. Here's what Jesus says. He, Jesus, said, therefore, what is the kingdom of God like? And to what shall I compare it? It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in the branches." Now, so important was this very tiny parable about the mustard seed that the three synoptic gospel writers all include it Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And before we take a closer look at the text, we need to set its literary context. The mustard seed is a literary form called similitude. It comes from the idea of simile, which means likeness. And a similitude is a literary device that Jesus uses that has no developed narrative plot, it's not a story but instead it presents a powerful message through analogy. And analogy is simply a comparison of two things that are very different in one sense, but have many things in common. I love how one biblical scholar places this literary form that Jesus uses in the context of Jesus' teaching. Listen carefully what he says. What is at stake with this similitude is a restructuring of Jewish expectation. Let's remember Jesus was speaking to a Jewish audience. The kingdom, which has already begun with Jesus, does not come with a glorious bang and the defeat of Rome. Rather, this scholar writes, it comes unexpectedly, almost unnoticed. Hear that carefully. Unexpectedly and almost unnoticed. So Jesus will take this tiny seed, just a little simple thing, And by analogy, he will give us comparisons of profound truths. And there are three I want to explore with you today. These are three good news truths of the kingdom of God that the mustard seed tells us. First, the mustard seed tells us that small beginnings can have big endings. This past year, Liz and I vacationed in California, and we visited the giant redwoods and the sequoias. And if you've ever seen them, you know they are massive. They are some of the oldest living things on earth. They are massive in size. And when you stand down on the bottom, 350 to 400 feet above you are these massive trees. And when you stand there, it's hard to imagine that scientists tell us that somewhere between 1,000 and 2,000 years ago, that massive tree began with just a tiny seed. And so when you see these amazing trees, you are reminded in compelling ways of the truth that Jesus teaches us. The small beginnings can have spectacularly big endings. So Jesus uses a tiny mustard seed and he focuses our attention in the text on the smallness, the obscureness, the hiddenness, the unnoticed beginnings of his kingdom reign in the world. Now think how Jesus incarnates this literally and figuratively. Luke tells us and emphasizes this in his gospel that Jesus is born in an animal cave in the obscure village called Bethlehem. And Bethlehem was in the remotest parts of the Roman Empire. The Gospel writer Luke emphasized that in his birth narrative, the smallness, obscureness, fragility, hiddenness of the king of kings entering this world. And if you were sitting like the Caesars in Rome, this small and obscure beginning would be something of seeming no consequence, right? And yet, Grand Rome will soon disappear off the face of the earth. And the Christian faith will spread and continues to spread throughout the world to every people, tribe, and tongue to change lives and cultures. Isn't it true that we are so often enamored with big and fast things? And so often in my life I'm so unimpressed with small, slow, and obscure things. For example, October 31st, 1517, small-town German monk by the name of Martin Luther quietly made his way to the castle church in Wittenberg, Germany. He quietly attached 95 theses of protest to the door. That became what? A small spark. A spark that eventually set a firestorm, a religious reform that changed the face of Christianity in the entire Western world. A mustard seed. Small beginnings can have big endings. In 1976, Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak, imagine these brilliant college dropouts began tinkering with electronic gizmos, as they called it, in Steve Jobs' parents' garage in Los Altos, California. Most of us know that that tinkering in a garage eventually led to Apple computers, one of the largest and most influential corporations in the entire world. Small beginnings can lead to big endings. And this is true in the church and in our history as Christ Community. Small, obscure beginnings mark our church history of 31 years. Christ Community began 31 years ago and began with a small group of very ordinary people in a windowless office building in the basement in Prairie Village, Kansas. Mustard seed. Small beginnings have big endings. We so often overlook small and slow things, don't we? And yet Jesus is saying often that it is in the small and unimpressive and unnoticed places and people in our lives, and our worlds, in your life, and your world, where God's kingdom can take root and grow. I love Sarah Groves' music, and Sarah is a wonderful Christian singer. One of my favorite songs of Sarah Groves' is Add to the Beauty. I commend it to you. Her lyrics are brilliant and beautiful and inspirational. Her lyrical line, that I love most is this, redemption comes in strange places, small spaces, in strange places, in small spaces, mustard seeds. God's biggest work in your life, in my life, and in our world often takes place in strange places, in very small spaces, in your heart and my heart, in our priorities, in our relationships, in our sufferings, yes, and in our vocational callings. In seemingly unnoticed, obscure beginnings, Jesus said the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed. He says, don't let the smallness blind you to its true bigness, its immense value and extraordinary importance. The first truth, That mustard-seed faith reminds us is that small beginnings can have big endings. But I also want you to notice there is another inherent comparison, another analogy that Jesus makes, and that is that small faith can make a big difference. If we look at this parable, we need to understand that the gospel writer Luke expands it and gives us greater understanding later in his gospel. He gives us more insight into what Jesus means here in Luke chapter 17, verses five and six. And Jesus builds on this theme of the smallness of the mustard seed. And he specifically and intentionally compares it to faith. Hear Jesus' words in Luke 17, verses five and six. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. And the Lord said, if you had faith, like a grain of a mustard seed, you could say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it would obey you. Now, it wasn't wrong for the disciples to ask for bigger faith. But what was misguided was that somehow they had the wrong idea that bigger faith was required to make a bigger difference. And notice how our Lord Jesus gently corrects them. Jesus points out the awesome power of even the smallest, tiniest faith Because it is not the size of our faith, but the size of our God that matters most. A simple mustard seed, right, tells us something small, tiny, that God can take the very smallest thing, the smallest amount of faith, and do something very big with it. Our God can do a whole lot with just a little. If that little is placed in his omniscient and omnipotent hands, I love the story in the New Testament. The gospel writers feature this, this little boy. Can you imagine a little boy had a lunch pail? And there's a hungry multitude, and the disciples are trying to find how to feed him. And Jesus says, find how to feed him. And this little boy, that's all they find is one little kid with a lunchbox. <laughs> one little kid with a lunchbox. Five loaves and two fishes. And yet this little boy with mustard seed faith gave it to Jesus, and Jesus multiplied it and fed a multitude. Mustard seed faith. The New Testament writers remind us that faith in Jesus and the faith of Jesus is the currency of the kingdom, that without faith, it is impossible to please God. And with saving faith in Christ, intimacy with God is formed and experienced, and the power to move mountains in our lives and in our world is unleashed. Now, maybe as you look at your life and spiritual journey this this day, you're saying to yourself, you know, Tom, I don't have a lot of faith. I get that. I can relate to that. You may be thinking, I've made many mistakes in life. I struggle a lot with doubt. And all too often, I fail to trust God in my life, my relationships, my work, my own spiritual formation. And greater Christ-likeness feels intolerably slow. It seems at times I take one step forward and then two steps back. It's discouraging. It's discouraging. And honestly, and if I'm transparent, all I have most days is the tiniest mustard seed faith. So let me encourage you today. Will you let Jesus' words of encouragement in this parable encourage your heart? Will you remember afresh with me that Jesus loves you, he delights in you? That Jesus wants to know you and be known by you, that Jesus knows right where you are in your life today? He does. He knows your painful past, your ongoing struggles, your anxious thoughts, your fears that you are facing, your disappointments, your dreams, your doubts. Jesus knows how much faith you have. He does. And he simply wants to encourage you to take one more little small step, a baby step forward, to move out of your limited comfort zone into a faith zone. What might that look like? Well, this week it might look like taking one step of faith, mustard seed faith, to share your faith with a friend, a work colleague, or a neighbor. It might be taking that very first small step towards reconciliation in a frayed relationship. It might be beginning or reengaging with a spiritual discipline or getting in a small group. Or it might mean launching a new initiative in your work or a profit or nonprofit entrepreneurial endeavor. Jesus cares about all that. And Jesus says, don't forget, remember the mustard seed. That is what my life is like and your life in the kingdom of God. With just a tiny mustard seed, the truths bombard us of good news. And that is that small beginnings can lead to big endings. But also, small faith can make a big difference. But the third truth I don't want us to miss this morning inherent in this parable, and that is that ordinary people like you and me can live extraordinary lives. Now in first century Palestine, the mustard seed was one of the most ordinary things. It was very common. But Jesus puts a twist on it, a surprising twist, and that is, that this common thing becomes extraordinary. What do I mean? Well, biblical scholars actually debate a great deal regarding Jesus' closing words in the imagery of birds and nests at the end of verse 19, if you have your Bible open. The question is, does Jesus have something more in mind when he describes this tiny mustard seed growing big and becoming a tree and Also, becoming a place where birds of the air make their nests. Now, if you've studied the Old Testament, you know that the imagery of birds finding shelter and sustenance is often associated with, like, a powerful kingdom, sheltering the nations. The prophet Ezekiel and Daniel highlight this. But transparently, I am not sure Jesus is making that close of a connection to this. But I do think Jesus is doing something. I think he's alluding to the commonness or the ordinariness of, the mustard seed, but a seed that in time not only grows big from small, that's part of it, but also a seed that has extraordinary life-giving impact on its environment. Now, another teaching of Jesus, I think, dovetails here. He describes his disciples in another text as metaphorically being salt and light, of having an extraordinary influence in the world. So how do we understand the bird imagery of this parable? Jesus is teaching something important we must not miss. And that is that his kingdom is available to all, not just the big and powerful, but the small and vulnerable. Not just the who's who of the world, but the who's that like you and me. Ordinary people like you and me. Who Jesus says the good news is that we can experience extraordinary lives as we experience his daily kingdom presence and power as we live into his kingdom reign, we can experience the life we long to live, the life we were created to live. That is when we in wholehearted repentance and faith place our trust in King Jesus, his atoning death on the cross, his death-defying resurrection. And the scriptures say, when we do that, we become a brand new creation. Jesus describes it as being born again, that is experiencing a spiritual birth, being made new, brand new. And as new creations, then we are invited and enter into Jesus' kingdom reign and we become part of his family. And as we continue to apprentice our lives to Jesus, the growing Christ-likeness of our life in every dimension of life, every Monday moment is filled with transcendent meaning, relational joy, enduring hope and lasting influence. As we learn from Jesus in his yoke of apprenticeship, we increasingly indwell the good news of the kingdom and our lives are increasingly aligned with Jesus' kingdom rule and reign in every dimension of our daily existence. The good news Jesus proclaims is that the kingdom has arrived and it's available to you, to me, to your neighbor. Among other things, this stunningly good news means three things I want you to hold on to. And that is, the mustard seed. The mustard seed reminds us that small beginnings can lead to big endings, that small faith can make a big difference, and that ordinary people can live extraordinary lives. This is the good news that Jesus proclaims of the kingdom. After Jesus' death and resurrection, you'll notice if you study the book of Luke that Luke highlights Jesus' ascension as it moves to the book of Acts, which Luke also wrote. He emphasizes the truth that Jesus will come again, And in other words, Jesus' kingdom is already here, but it's not fully here yet. It's already here, but not fully here yet. We, his church, live in a time between Jesus' first and second coming. And Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and hell itself will not prevail against it. At the heart of this kingdom reign is the church. One day future, Jesus will return. Jesus will return and he will usher in the full kingdom of God on earth. Wow. And the question for us is, are we ready for his return? No one knows the day or hour or time. But his return, the scriptures say, is imminent. Have you in faith embraced Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Have you entered his yoke of apprenticeship and are you learning from him how to live the good life in his kingdom that is found in him? Jesus' kingdom is increasingly experienced in our daily apprenticeship with him as we delight in his presence with us moment by moment. Jesus' kingdom is already here, but it's not fully here yet. Are you increasingly aligning your heart, your loves, your resources, your time, your priorities, all that matters in your life? Are you aligning it with his kingdom? What I love about this parable is that somehow it's uniquely fashioned in Jesus' heart. It's small, but such a remarkable parable we often scoot over, don't we? It's rich and it's transforming good news of the already not yet kingdom of Jesus gives each of us, no matter what our circumstances, a buoyant sense of hopeful realism in our broken world, as well as the longing expectation for that day, that day when all will be made new when every tear will be wiped away, and when there'll be no more pain, sorrow, or death. It is a bad news world, and you may be feeling it more than ever right now, but there is amazingly good news. Jesus declares it. Jesus the King has come. His kingdom has arrived, and it is now available to us. And Jesus will come again. And with the Apostle Paul and the saints of old, And the church triumphant, our longing hearts to cry out, Maranatha, Maranatha, Lord, come quickly.